Welcome back to the Tap Room Exclusive. I'm Dean Zarbaugh. I'm here at Working Class Brewery with Rick Skeens and Carmen Russinello. I got it right that time. It's almost like I get paid to do this. Um, thank you guys for being here. We have moved on to the Bank Boss, which is a Belgian uh, triple. Uh, and uh, fantastic. I, I was telling Carmen before we went on air, this is a dangerous beer. Absolutely. It's, um, it's what, eight? Eight and a half? Eight and a half percent. And uh, it doesn't drink like it. No, it's, uh, you know, that's the way a lot of Belgian beers are. Um, if they start to get a little warm, we can always put them under uh, pressure during the fermentation to really okay. soften those alcohols. But uh, now that beer is uh, very close to my heart because I used to travel to Belgium uh, a handful of years in a row. And uh, I would go to a festival called Zaitos over there. Okay. And, um, you know, I get up on a Sunday morning and all I would drink were triples. Nice. You know, just one triple to an, to nice. another. That's and a good uh, you know, yeah, when you do that type of thing, especially at the source, uh, you figure you really figure out what works right. for a particular style and what mm-hmm. doesn't, or maybe what you prefer. So ours is really modeled more after the Chimay. It's uh, not a big ten percent sticky triple. Yeah, um, it has a little finish hop in, in the end. And that keeps the beer as it ages. That it keeps the beer nice and drinkable. What uh, getting into the flavor a little bit? What what notes do you people get when you're drinking this? Uh, I'm still new. I keep saying this in every episode. Listeners might be uh, tired of hearing this. I'm still new to breaking down flavors, so I'm going to let the professional do it. Well, in the Belgian triple. We're typically looking for kind of a little orangey, mm-hmm. spicy, fruity flavor. Um, uh, and like I said, I just prefer them on the lighter side yeah. and drinkable. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you don't want to have just one and like feel like you're going to have to sleep the rest of the day. Well, you want to be able to have a couple and still be able to. That's kind the of that's the way most beers should be. <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly. There's this been there's been this big push towards like super big ABVs and everything. How high can we get it in ABV? And it's like just make a quality product. Just make something drinkable. Yeah, those are like we say in our industry. There's not much fusel alcohols. Right. It's yeah. not hot. It's not. Yeah. A, it's, it's not it's a, a big boozy beer. beer. But when you talk about those other beers that are so big and boozy, that those have a place. They have the. Right. They have a place with your with your spouse when yeah, yeah. when you can only have one. Right. I'm only having one tonight, honey. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's, yeah. Make it a big exactly. one. Exactly. Yeah. You got. You have to at that point. <laughs> well, this is a um, this is a fantastic Belgian. What what it, what was it that drew you to Belgium to, to actually go and travel there and, and kind of year uh, after year? Just the uh, plethora of, of styles and, and interpretations. Um, you know, the Belgians don't they don't stick to style guidelines like the Americans right. do. Right. Uh, their their attitude is uh, we're just going to make what we make and we'll describe it the way it is and okay. you can like it or not like it. Yeah. And it's it doesn't, and it doesn't have to fit in a style. Yeah. So when you make quality product like that, you can have that attitude. They're they're very creative brewers, and and they don't worry about copying other style, you know, other people, and having right. to fit into a box. Yeah. So and that's really cool. I, I that's one of the places I really want to go to. I've never traveled to Europe. Uh, that's one place I really Belgium is specifically one of the places I really want to go to specifically because I like where a lot of the, the beer that originates from there. It's, it's really nice beer. And when so when you were there, these just 
you're drinking these on Sundays and you're like, you know what? I want to make one of these. Did you ever do one before you before you were here at working class? Did you ever do like a homebrew version? Um, that's a good question. I don't I I'm pretty sure I would come back and homebrew it and I knew like you know, the places I had worked before that I wasn't really happy mm-hmm. uh, with the beers and I kind of had a feeling that they probably weren't like that at the source. Gotcha. Um, I think, uh, you know, Americans have a, a habit of overdoing certain characteristics. You know, Absolutely. we exaggerate mm-hmm. everything. And as with most styles, uh, they're just more drinkable at the source, too. And you right. then, then you discover what really makes that style work. Yeah. You know, even, even things that have shipped across the pond, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you don't really get a good idea of, of what really makes that beer tick unless you go there. That's like uh, I want to go to Cologne to, to experience oh, Kolsch's. Oh, absolutely. Like I, I love Kolsch. It's a very underrated style here. I think a lot of great breweries are making some great Kolsch's here, Kolsch styles here. Um, that's one of the main – I really want to get there and see what a true Cologne Kolsch yeah, there like, are some you know, that are just not you can't even repeat them they're, they're so ridiculously drinkable that, that the, the beer is gone before the waiter walks away well that's how yeah. I <laughs> that's kind of how I feel about yours about your, oh, your triple well, like, thank you the, when I you ask Carmen like when when you <laughs> dang it I have to get it back tonight uh, Uber uh, today's show is sponsored by Uber uh, this ask Carmen like I I drank this, and the first thing I told him was it was a dangerous beer. Same thing I told you. It was a dangerous beer because I was like, wow, that's eight and a half. That does not taste like That is a, such a crushable eight and a half. That how, without giving away too much, I'm not trying to ask for secrets, but how, how, what brings that out? Like, how do you, how do you make an eight and a half beer that drinkable? Um, hmm. Some sugar. Lighten the body. Okay. Nice. Uh, keep the uh, fermentation temperature from not getting too high. And does that does that help bump the ABV a little bit too? Oh, absolutely. Or is, okay. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I, like I said, I'm still new, so that kind of stuff. I'm I'm really a novice on the on the brewing side. Yeah, so we, if we I ask a dumb a, question, I apologize. Oh no, no, we use a good chunk of uh, invert sugar in there, and then a little bit of corn sugar, um, and that that really does lighten the body of the beer. It it's really nice. Um, we I also had the the Hefeweizen, which is really nice. We, we were you know before we went on, it was Carmen had me choose between the Belgian or, or the the Hefeweizen to to feature. I kind of wanted to feature both of them to to be honest because they're both fantastic. It was really hard for me to pick a favorite between the two of those. And like Carmen was saying about this, the the Hefeweizen is it doesn't really like hit you in the face with that banana clove. It's a nice subtle flavor in there, right? Easy when, drinker too. When I fell in love with that style, it was all about the clove. Like, I right. Could, I'm I'm not a big banana person, and so you know we do things to to drive the clove out. And that's another beer that I've been to Europe a handful of times to to find the get best the and and yeah and just really figure out what what i like and what i want to emulate i've had a few imports that we can get you know on the store shelves or whatnot but i that's a, i 
this is such a good style that I just I know that I need to get over there and actually try it over there to really get a real a fresh oh, I, t- I, uh, tasting of it to really get an idea of what this style means over there. And one year I had rented an RV and just kind of went around Germany and uh, I came back with at least like 27 different wheat beers. Oh wow! Had a tasting in my backyard. My uh, there's a I have a lot of German. Um, stuff in my basement in my grandparents basement my grandfather was stationed in germany during the cold war during like khrushchev's whole slamming a shoe on the table type thing and so he there's we have like german steins and stuff downstairs but he he was a he was a macro brew guy mainly that he he would drink like a dortmunder or something every once in a while but I never heard him talk about like Hefeweizen and stuff, and I really would have liked to have had him try this because I think he would really like it. Um, but he talked a lot about Germany and and the fun he had there, and it just seems like everybody who's gone there has has had a ton of fun. And I mean, how couldn't you when you're surrounded by this kind of beer? Absolutely. Um, what was what was your outside of the beer? What was your favorite part of of traveling over there? Oh. Um- Man, I got the you know the castles. I love going yeah. going to some of the castles. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The architecture and everything out there is is just so amazing. Um, going back to the bank boss real quick. Uh, something food wise that if anybody wanted to to come in and it's a, Belgians are a little bit the triples are a little bit necessarily harder to kind well, of pair with. We've had the pierogi lady here mm-hmm. um, a couple times. Oh, yeah. Makes her fresh pierogies. We've had polka nights, um, and she's actually used the bank boss Oh, nice. to steep um, bratwurst in. Oh, wow. And then chop up and make a bratwurst. Uh, Belgian Belgian triple bank boss, you know, wow. bank boss, Belgian triple uh, uh, bratwurst pierogi with it. Highly recommend that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be calling up and ordering some of those special. Imagine, it sounds really good. I would imagine any sort of German, Eastern Europe or Eastern, yeah, Eastern European food would, would mm. pair well with this. Of course, yeah, lighter foods, cheeses, meat, um, like yeah. nice, nice cheeses, always good. Uh, French breads, cheeses, spreads, and it's such a good beer that it won't overpower most anything that you're drink you're you're no. eating. So it's it's not cloying. Very yeah. clean on the palate. Yeah. It's an easy drinking beer. We limit it to two 10-ounce pours per, per customer right. for a reason. Absolutely. Because we want you coming it's back to enjoy more. Absolutely. You have a responsibility. <laughs> and, a responsibility. And at this point, and as as easy drinking as this is, that you know that's a very good rule to kind of have on things. Is, it we, could get we, ahead of, you can get ahead of yourself with it. We do the same with our bourbon-aged imperial stout. Uh, it's called Boilermaker. Uh, nice. We limit you to two 10-ounce pours. Yeah. We want you coming That's back. smart. Yeah, absolutely. That's smart business sense. And it seems everybody in this craft beer world, you know, this is that's what we want. You know, it's it's all about smart, being responsible uh, with that and, and all that. And that's what I really love about this industry is how much they really care about people and making sure you get to come back. Like you were saying. Please come back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll get going here. Is there anything I missed about the about this that, that you wanted to cover? Uh, uh, we do have a uh, version of the Bank Boss coming out in the near future that's been aged in uh, wild turkey barrels. Ooh, I will be on the lookout for that. <laughs> Stay tuned to their uh, social media for, uh, for info on that. That absolutely. sounds like it's going to be awesome. Yeah. 
Uh, thank you guys for being here. Tune in next sure. week for another all-new episode of the Taproom Exclusive.